0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martini's coming up.
1: Hey, really glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We hope you're having an excellent week in between Christmas and New Year's. Uh, As you probably know, uh, but if you don't, let me tell you, we're in the middle of our six year-end specials. Uh, covering a lot of different categories about the year that's been in politics. We started out on Christmas Eve talking uh, about uh, most overrated, underrated, and honest political figures. Then on Monday, we talked about uh, political figures we are most sorry to see go, plus rising star and figures fading into oblivion. And then yesterday, we talked about worst scandal, best political theater, and worst political theater. So we're halfway done. We're starting the second half of our awards season here. And our categories for today, best idea, worst idea, and the boldest tactic. So Jim, kick it off with the best idea of 2021.
0: So it's kind of more of a broad theme than one particular idea, but I do kind of feel like there's a common thread that runs through all of the phenomenon I'm about to describe. The theme is basically the backlash against wokeism. And I think you can see it in everything from uh, both politicians and city councils and and folks who have, uh, you know, pretty much dropped their idea of abolishing the police Uh, Minneapolis, most prominent, but a bunch of cities kind of had done that or restored police funding here and there. Uh, The election of Eric Adams in New York City's mayoral race uh, as a former cop and someone who's running on a, uh, you know, law and order and a little bit of uh, pro-business attitude there, at least by the standards of New York Democrats. Uh, Here in Virginia, the protests against school boards on all kinds of uh, not just critical race theory, but also stuff that's sexually inappropriate in terms of transgender and, and, you know, uh, inappropriate contributions to the fairfax county uh school libraries although i should point out that they restored the two books graphic novels and they put the they put the graphic back into the term graphic novels um and then finally just the de- difficulties democrats have had in getting their agenda passed yes they got the infrastructure bill passed yes they got a big COVID relief bills passed but they had a really hard time and as of this recording build back better has not passed and isn't looking that good uh, expanding the, the size of the Supreme Court, statehood for Puerto Rico and District of Columbia. There were a whole bunch of woke ideas that a lot of Democrats thought were gonna happen in 2021 that did not happen because after a while, Americans were you know what? We were, there are were a, a lot of Americans who had problems with Donald Trump. They weren't totally on board with everything the Republicans did. They gave the ball to Democrats and they didn't like what they saw, most notably in the realm of inflation and the state of the economy. Uh, COVID, really, you know, the president who ran around saying, I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. He did not shut down the virus and life is still complicated. Afghanistan, the border, the president did not deliver on his promises and American people like Virginia was the most vivid demonstration of it. But I think the fact that the uh, New Jersey governor's race was close, a whole bunch of down ticket things going well for Republicans. Americans are not happy with hard left progressivism. In fact, earlier this year, Bob Costas joined us on this program and characterized himself as someone who considers himself left of center or a Democrat, but who is not on board with wokeism. People are fed up with it. They're tired of it. The backlash is here. And kind of foreshadowing one of my future picks, I think 2022 will be seen as the year of the reckoning.
1: Well, I hope so. I hope so. It seems that uh, even... When the voters show up and they give a very clear message, whether it's New York City, which is about as far left as you can go, or Virginia, which you know, is a lot more blue than it was just a few years ago. Uh, they seem like they maybe get the message for about 15 minutes and then they go right back to uh, pushing the same agenda that they were before. So we'll see if uh, if the left actually learns its lesson or just tampers down the rhetoric. My choice here, Jim, first of all, excellent choice by you. I'm going to drill in a little bit on one of those because I'm kind of in the same same area, and it's specifically with the schools. Um, the parents who went before their Uh, various school boards on a variety of issues, uh, whether it's uh, the mask mandates, whether it's uh, critical race theory, whether it's uh, transgender issues and that sort of thing, whatever it was that drove the parents to get engaged civic engagement is critical, and doing it at the local level is actually not only the most critical, but it's also the most effective, because that's where you can make the biggest difference. If, you know, you show up to a national protest in Washington, which you're f- perfectly welcome to do, and sometimes they, they do make a difference, uh, you know, that you need a lot bigger voice than you do if you're talking to your school board members. And these parents, obviously, as a result of the pandemic in some cases, paying a lot closer attention, having the opportunity uh, to hear and see firsthand as their kids were learning remotely, well, what was going on and not liking it, they got together, they showed up at these meetings, they found common cause, and they pushed back. In some cases, actually getting policies reversed, and in other cases, pushing uh, issues into the forefront so voters could actually see uh, what was happening and getting election results that those uh, people on the school boards and elsewhere didn't want, and, uh, and even most likely getting a Republican uh, governor and the whole Republican ticket elected in the Commonwealth of Virginia. It also, I think, has helped push the idea of school choice, which is not only an absolutely essential idea, it's one that is extraordinarily popular, but always seems to get shoved to the back burner because something involving national security or the economy, all these big issues, of course, uh, gets the attention. Or maybe it's just the candidates' personalities. In the era of Trump, the media focused entirely on Trump pretty much 24-7. But school choice is a winner. It's a winner with families across the board, um, whether it's inner city, especially where a lot of our schools are not very good, uh, as well as out in the suburbs. Uh, so, whether it's uh, having the opportunity to try out different public schools, whether it's having the opportunity uh, to maybe, if you go to the next step of vouchers, taking that money to private schools or Christian schools, homeschooling's now a boom. Parents taking the initiative and getting a lot more involved, not because they didn't care before, but because they saw up close and personal what was happening. They didn't like it, and they were going to take charge of what happens with their kids. Awesome development.
0: Excellent selection, Greg, and I salute your specificity where I just totally abandoned it. (laughs)
1: Well, that's basically my uh, meandering way of saying we kind of had the same thing, but uh, I I, I definitely wanted to give a shout out to School of Choice because I think it's not only a political dynamo uh, for the right because the left can't since they're so beholden to the teachers unions who – my gosh, uh, what, a, what a couple of years they've had. But uh, it's ju- it just makes sense. I mean, everything else, uh, you know, the more options you have, the better the competition's going to be. But apparently in schools, uh, it's very difficult to make that happen. So kudos to the parents for doing that. Anyway, uh, but as parents, you know, you've got your work, you've got your family, you're fighting these fights in front of the school boards, you're tired. You're going to need the best possible uh, rest. To keep juggling all these things, and so that's where my pillow comes in. Look, I know we're past Christmas, so maybe you're buying for yourself, maybe you're buying for someone else you think really needs a good night's rest, given everything they've uh, uh, put up uh, with this year in terms of uh, home and school and elsewhere. But uh, my pillow, they've got everything in stock, no back orders, no delayed shipping. Whether it's the towels, the sheets, the pillows themselves, the slippers, they're all fantastic products, and they're ready for you to order right now.
0: Because the My Pillow is made 100% right here in the United States and they have built a huge inventory, they can ensure their customers and you will have gifts for everyone. If, say, you botched the first gift or you're looking for a makeup or you're just one of those families that likes to exchange gifts for Super Bowl Sunday or something. <laughs> there are no supply chain issues, no delays and no backlog. Christmas was not canceled at MyPillow. Now this shopping season, they are full of everything you could possibly want on their website. Everything from the MyPillows at the lowest price ever to the sheets, slippers, robes, and now cardigans. They're all in stock and they're all ready to ship fast. My Pillow is your one-stop shop for everyone on your list.
1: And all my pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And I cannot recommend the products highly enough. Let me just talk about the pillow for a second. By far the best pillow I've ever had. It always just hits my head right in the right spot. My neck is supported well, and it's given me the best night's sleep compared to any pillow I've had for a very, very long time, possibly ever. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener special as soon as you get there, and uh, and then you can get specials like buy one, get one free on Giza Dream Sheets or the lowest price ever on the MyPillow Premiums when you use the promo code Martini. Or you can use that code when you call 800-874-0104. Don't miss the sale of the year. MyPillow.com, promo code Martini, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim, on to the worst idea of 2021.
0: Well, as we've discussed in some of our other uh, uh, servings of these year-end awards, the worst categories always seem to have a lot more strong (laughs) competitive possibilities than the best uh, categories, but... Uh, Chewing it over, I think this is, I I feel pretty strong about my selection Um, and some folks may be surprised by my choice considering how much I have covered the pandemic over the past two years. But I believe that the philosophy of COVID zero is the worst idea of 2021. Hopefully we'll be leaving it behind in this year, although I think that as of this recording that's still an open question. And I should emphasize what I mean by covid zero. Covid zero is a belief that somehow some way We can prevent people from ever running into a virus that you know many virologists and health officials and biologists and and folks like that look at and say look this thing's going to become endemic meaning that it is going to become commonplace it is never going to go away completely the same way that the common cold or the flu never go away completely now we don't shut down society over the common cold or the flu we you know tell people to go out and get your flu shots Um, It's worth noting, you know, probably a lot of listeners have had this experience, you can get the flu shot and still catch the flu. In fact, in my house, we've had uh, pre-COVID, it was almost a tradition that, you know, everybody else in the house, seemingly except for me, would get their flu shots early in winter or late fall and then, of course, end up catching the flu at some point. Uh, Look, you know, from the very beginning, I've been telling people, take COVID-19 seriously. Yes, it is a very high survival rate. That's good, you know, your odds of, you know, but between long COVID and the increased risk of this, particularly if you're elderly, if you're immunocompromised, if you have what they delightfully call comorbidities, which generally include obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure. Look, there are a lot of Americans who have conditions like this. Uh, you're, uh, you're recovering from cancer, you, you have cancer. These are all reasons to be a little more concerned about uh, COVID-19. The bad news is, uh, you know, the Delta variant is even more contagious than COVID classic, shall we say. And, uh, you know, in the late, late towards right around Thanksgiving, we came across the Omicron variant and the Omicron variant, at least according to one study, is 70 times more contagious. Now, I emphasize it is 70 times it spread 70 times faster in the uh, part of your lungs that connects to your windpipe, but not the actual lungs themselves, which basically so basically it means you exhale a lot more of it. That's bad. It means you're more likely to spread it. It means you're more likely to catch it. Here's the silver lining. The exact same study said the uh, Omicron variant spreads 10 times slower in your lungs, which is why it's generally seen as less severe, less likely to be life-threatening. You can hear me knocking on wood as I say that. Um, Omicron might be the way more contagious but milder virus, and that would be, you know, all things probably unbalanced good. The problem is it could spread really far and fast chances are everybody's gonna get it, which is why you probably want your body to be as prepared as it possibly can. If you had COVID before, great. Uh, it's possible Omicron might not, uh, you know, might be a little different enough so that your system may not recognize it quite as quickly as it would from the Delta variant or one of these other variants. But uh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna poo-poo natural immunity. If you've had it before, chances are you've got some degree of immunity. Uh, but obviously you wanna get yourself vaccinated if you haven't, you wanna get yourself boosted if you're in the, one of those qualified categories. You know, your body's gonna run into it at some point. You want your body to be as prepared for it as possible. That said, there are certain people whose mentality never really moved beyond March, 2020. They are still at the psychological DEFCON 1. They are still very much this sense that catching COVID-19 is a moral or personal failure. That you must have done something bad. You must have done something reckless. You must have done something stupid or foolish. That is not the case. This is a very contagious virus and it goes around really fast. You, know, I, you didn't do anything bad. You didn't do anything stupid. There's nothing wrong with you. Chances are your body's going to fight it off pretty well. We've got good, you know, a variety of improving treatments, although we'd have even more if the FDA would get off the stick. But all in all, I think this is a manageable health crisis. And the other thing is, is that constant isolation, constant lockdowns, keeping people separated from their loved ones, all of these have serious other health consequences. To say nothing of keeping people away from going to the doctor and having those other non-COVID health problems taken care of. Look, these last two years have been utterly exhausting, and you know, hard, hardships, uh, people have lost loved ones, people have had to deal with separations, you know, we, we could talk, you know, for the entire podcast about just the effect on our kids and the cancellation of schools for so long and so-called distance learning, you got to let people get back, if not to completely normal life, then something very close to it, 90% of it or something like that. Um, Yeah, be careful with Omicron out there, but let people go out, let people interact, let people assess the risk for themselves. Yeah, I know it drives you crazy when somebody won't get vaccinated, but you know what? Freedom means the freedom to be wrong. Freedom means the freedom to dissent from what everybody else is saying and doing. It's been an extraordinarily frustrating year. And I kind of feel like our our, our public health officials are the kinds of people who have the least functional zero uh, tolerance for risk. I'm pretty sure these guys don't go skydiving on weekends. (laughs) <laughs> and the end result is you end up you know, with a public policy that is designed to minimize risk. And along the way, it is minimizing life. Let people be free. Let people manage the risk for themselves. We will get through this someday.
1: <laughs> so, once again, Jim, we are in the same arena, but I think we're uh, significantly different enough uh, this time. But, yes, um, the expectation that this would just eventually not exist um, has never really been realistic, and it was there from the get-go. Hey, two weeks, remember? Two weeks, and we'll uh, you know, keep everybody cooped up, and it won't have any place to transmit, and it's eventually just going to die off. It'll be real quick. We'll everybody get back to their life. Yeah, it's not how it works, uh, and but they tried and it didn't work, and they're still trying, and I don't know why. Uh, my uh, worst idea of the year: Biden's vaccine mandates. Um, mm. Look. Uh, what you think about the vaccine is not the same as what you think about a mandate. Now, I know there's some clips out there from officials in Australia that have declared people anti-vax if they're against vaccine mandates. That's insane. Okay? Uh, You can absolutely have the position that you should uh, get the vaccine and that it should not be mandatory in order to have gainful employment. How absurd that the government thinks it can even step into that uh, particular arena. And look, very early on, After the vaccines came out, uh, Mrs. Corumbus and I had a series of conversations about it, because at that point it was mainly the elderly and the immunocompromised who were eligible to get them. So it was a few weeks before it was even a possibility anyway. And we came to the conclusion very quickly, Jim, hey, I'm going to let you make your decision on when and if to get the vaccine. And you're going to let me uh, make up my mind. On when and if to get the vaccine. And we never had a debate about this, even though um, she was a little more eager to go do it. She got it uh, done in the spring. I held off to see if if there was going to be a large pile of bodies in the streets for a few months. And then I ultimately got it done uh, in the summer, ended up getting COVID shortly after that anyway. But uh, uh, it's certainly possible that it it had a uh, lesser effect on me because of that. And so the idea that Biden swoops in there in September and says, not only federal workers, not only federal contractors, but anybody who works for a company, private company, who cares? If you have over 100 employees, totally random number, uh, you have to get this done. Uh, That's that's the rule, or there's going to be really, really stiff penalties. And as you mentioned, then they... Took their sweet time trying to get the OSHA rule out, which is now getting battered around uh, like Glass Joe in the old Mike Tyson punch-out game in court. Uh, and, and so the idea you know, that they don't take natural immunity into account, uh, they don't take uh, personal choice into account, uh, the government can't do this, as we're learning in the courts. And I think that's ultimately where this is going to end up. And the government should not be able uh, to do this. And you have people out there, and this is where it gets a little thornier, uh, saying, well, you can't send your kids to school unless they're vaccinated for polio and measles and mumps and all that stuff. And that is true, that is true. However, we've got decades of that, and uh, you don't necessarily know what the long-term effects are. So far, things are looking pretty good, but we just don't know. And ultimately, regardless of that aspect of it, um, this is America. You have the freedom of choice. Might be smart to get it, but it's ultimately up to you. And it's not the government's job to threaten your livelihood if you don't.
0: Very well put uh, there, Greg. And and I I noticed the irony of you getting COVID shortly after getting (laughs) um, the vaccination. I'm sure there's probably one listener. So, How do you know you didn't get it from the vaccination? I I don't think that's... uh, That's not how it shakes out. They don't actually put it into you or or anything like that. But it does kind of it does demonstrate that in addition to all of the bad Biden laws, we're trying to deal with this. We also have to work with Murphy's law.
1: (laughs) Well, just to just to clue folks in, because I don't think I actually explained this. You remember when I had the kidney stone, right? Well, I had the kidney yes. stone. I had the kidney oh, stone. I
0: was like, I should remember that, but it's probably even easier for you to remember.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. So I got the kidney stone as I was emerging from the effects of the second vaccine. And the kidney stone, I'm like, I don't want to go to the ER. I don't want to go to the ER. <laughs> so we ended up going to the ER. That was the day I was writhing on the couch at night watching the Bears get creamed by the Rams on opening night of Sunday NFL football. And so we go to the ER. and I can't pr- It can it even worse. Like, ah, the kidney stones. No, the Bears are worse. Ah. <laughs> yeah. And so uh did I get it there? There's a pretty good chance. Uh I don't know how many people were there with COVID that day, but uh ultimately by the end of the week I had the monoclonal antibodies and uh, it never got too severe. Uh two of my kids have had it now and they had it in very mild cases, so I feel like we're at least temporarily bulletproof now. Uh so we're hopefully emerging from it. But again, uh you know, the government, you know, know your role and this isn't it. So And, Jim, I think you struck a very good balance here. Uh, You've made it very clear how much you encourage people to get the vax and how much you're opposed to the government forcing people uh, to do that. It's led to nothing but chaos. And when you get ugly about it and force people uh, uh, to get it instead of encouraging them to get it, it makes them less likely to get it. So well done, everyone. All right, on to our final category now, Jim, the boldest tactic of 2021.
0: You know, Greg, for this one, I went a little non-traditional. Usually when you're talking about the boldest tactic, you want to have something like, oh, wow, that really worked. That was awesome. That's great. We should do more of that. And I don't think uh, that necessarily fits for my nomination for this one. But I started thinking about like, what, what surprised me this year? What, uh, how did things not shake out the way I expected? Who behaved differently than I might have expected based on how the year began? And I concluded that the boldest tactic of 2021 was a bold tactic for an evil entity. But I think it is indisputably bold that instead of being chastened by the experience with the pandemic, it seems the Chinese government is more aggressive than ever. Now, whether or not you subscribe to the lab leak theory, I think it's much, you know, an extraordinary coincidence that a uh, novel coronavirus most similar to those found in bats just happened to pop up right outside one of the three institutions in the world that was doing gain-of-function research on coronaviruses found in bats. But let's assume it was a wet market. Let's assume just naturally somebody encounters a bat, the virus jumps into the person, all kind of stuff. Well, we all still know that the Chinese government was lying for the first minimum three weeks in likelihood six weeks of this pandemic saying to the world, relax, relax, it's not contagious. It's nothing to worry about. While in the meantime they were buying up as much personal protective equipment as they possibly could buying up the world's supply of n95 masks and oh by the way you remember that video of them building a hospital in like 10 days well at the same time they were insisting to the world there's nothing to worry about well if it's nothing to worry about why are you trying to build hospitals overnight so you'd think based on this and be like oh wow maybe the chinese government would be like okay we really did something risky. We really did something that made the whole world really mad at us. We're going to be a little more careful. We're going to try to attract less attention. No, no, no. No, with Biden in office, you might have expected them to extend an olive branch and play nice. In part because, you know, he's the Democratic president. And he might think he's more likely to play ball with them uh give them more of what they want but in fact from where I sit the Chinese government seems to be enjoying humiliating Biden so whether you're looking at Hong Kong you're looking at the genocide of the Uyghurs you're looking at the uh the kind of crazy stuff that comes out of the state-run media the flyovers of Taiwan um the the uh, experience of Peng Shui I mean the entire Chinese government seems bigger bolder more aggressive and more shameless in how they go about these things um and they they really seem to act like they don't fear anyone so I think unfortunately after you know uh, a sheer recklessness you know put the world into a crisis the likes of which it's never seen instead of being more reticent instead of being quieter instead of trying to attract less attention on the world stage China got twice as aggressive and I don't think has paid anywhere nearly enough of a price uh for their recklessness and provocations and things and aggressiveness and things like that so we'll, we'll see how 2022 shakes out Um, I have a feeling on a whole bunch of fronts, 2022 is going to be a year year of recrimination. It's going to be a year of a reckoning. It's going to be a year of long-delayed conflicts finally flaring up, hopefully not in a violent way, but I think these types of disputes can no longer be put off or have the can kicked down the road. So that was my nomination for the boldest tactic of 2021.
1: Yeah, I uh, agree. Uh, I think uh, that is a very good choice. It wasn't my first choice, but now that you say it, it probably should have been, uh, because you're right. I mean, they should have been absolutely the pariah of the international community, at least for lying about the transmissibility of COVID for weeks on end, uh, if not uh, for lying about the the lab leak, which we're closer and closer to finding out is exactly how this all started. But uh, yeah, you mentioned all the different areas where they have just gotten more aggressive, And so far, the only person to stand up to them is the Women's Tennis Association, which is probably not who you had on your shortlist for organizations that were going to hold the Chinese accountable. But uh, apparently they're the only one with the gumption to do it so far. Uh, But, uh, wow, good choice, good choice. Uh, For me, it's um, the states of Mississippi and Texas. For years, since 1973, um, pro-lifers have wanted the opportunity to radically uh, limit the availability of abortion because obviously they believe it is the murder of the unborn. We know that life begins at conception, despite what Sonia Sotomayor said at the recent oral arguments. She thinks that's just a a religious question and uh, we know that uh, through greater and greater technology that babies do feel pain and other stimuli at an earlier and earlier age and so um, you know, the barbarity of abortion becomes obvious earlier and earlier in a pregnancy. So Mississippi passed a ban essentially on abortions after 15 weeks. Texas passed a heartbeat bill that the Supreme Court uh, let stand uh, until it hears the oral arguments and rules on the case and And so we'll see what the court says. We don't know what the political impact of this is. Uh, Jim, you mentioned um, in your uh, morning jolt that given the polling, you know, the diehards on the abortion issue, they're going to be where they are no matter what. And so the rest probably won't swing too much, uh, depending on what the court does. But we'll see. But ultimately, if you want to be bold and you really believe in an issue, you got to move it forward. These states knew that these laws were going to be challenged to the Supreme Court. And so, for nearly 50 years, with more than 60 million babies killed in the womb, these states uh, saw an opportunity. They passed the laws. They think they have a court that potentially will side with them, whether it's on the margins. Or as Mississippi specifically asked to overturn Roe v. Wade, which would not ban abortion in America, would leave it up to the states, which is where it should have been in the first place. Although uh, as a pro-lifer, I think it should obviously be uh, very much restricted, but uh, leave it up to the states to make those decisions as it should be. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the cultural and political implication of it it will be. But for decades, uh, those who say they are pro-life have wanted this moment. They've got this moment and they pursued it. We'll see what happens.
0: You know, Greg, you hear from a lot of nationalist populists. What have conservatism ever conserved? What have Republicans ever done for us? What did George H.W. Bush ever do for us? Clarence Thomas. That's what he's done for us. Admittedly, he also gave us David Souter. So it kind of balances (laughs) out. But still, he's done some stuff for us.
1: Yeah, no, that's uh, that's exactly right. And uh, we'll see where it lands. Uh, recently, uh, John Roberts suggested he might not be ready to go where some of the others, including Clarence Thomas, would. And uh, we don't know. We ultimately don't know where this uh, decision will land and, and how it will play out in the States if they even do uh, effectively uh, overturn Roe v. Wade. But uh, in in any event, uh, when you've worked for a goal for, for decades and the opportunity is there, they're taking it. So good for them. Jim, uh, we will uh, reconvene tomorrow tomorrow. Are there any stories that the media got wrong or overcovered or <laughs> undercovered in 2021? I mean the the list is, you know, really short because they're so responsible and fair-minded in all of these things. But no, tomorrow we're going to talk about the most <laughs> Overcovered, <laughs> undercovered, and the best story of uh, of 2021. So uh, rest up. That's going to be that's going to be a pretty vigorous discussion, I think. All right, looking forward to it, Greg, Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Uh, tell your friends about us as well. We are also very grateful for your kind reviews, your five star ratings. Uh, also, know that you can get us on your home devices. All you have to tell Alexa is uh, play Three Martini Lunch podcast, but it works for all those, you know snooping devices. Um, Also follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday and join us on Thursday for the next three martini lunch.
0: We know there's so much craziness going on in the news these days, but don't worry, because we're here to talk and laugh about it all. Elon Musk has been named Times 2021 person of the year. Supply chain shortages continue. And Biden did a meaningless interview on The Tonight Show. Hey, it's The Chicks from The Chicks on
1: the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day. Politics, to pop culture, nobody's safe, but it's all fun. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.